Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hype Function. I'm your host, Jeffrey Weitz, and we are airing um, we're airing across all your favorite podcast and streaming service. And today we are going to talk about the book of Boba Fett. We're going to talk about all seven episodes, talk about all the characters in the show and some, of course, our favorite moments and a whole lot more. And like I said, I'm Jeffrey White. I'm a diehard Star Wars fan. And oh, man, I am very excited to talk about this with my good friend and he is a prevalent podcast host he's been he's been ruling the youtube podcasting he's been he hosts star wars on the real podcast and the intergalactic peace coalition on their own respective youtube channels and it's ben hart the star wars guy what's up ben how's it going jeff how's it going everybody good to be back um it's been too long and uh yeah yeah we've got a lot to talk about as you may or may not know um book of boba fett just ended and there's a lot there's a lot to a lot to break down and i can't think of any better way to do it than on this podcast and, and, and you know what's also awesome ben like you were on yes to be you podcast last week right after the book of boba fett the last episode aired and it's like you know now you've had some time to reflect to think about the show some more and you know, now we're here uh, to talk once again about the show. Um, so I, I want to pinpoint something with you. Um, so when they originally announced the Book of Boba Fett in the season two finale of The Mandalorian um, a little over a year ago, like what was your what were your thoughts about that? You, know, you see the scene in Jabba's palace of Boba Fett and Fennec Shan basically taking over Tatooine and the Book of Boba Fett, December 2021. Like what were your initial impre- like reactions to that? Well, it's funny, I think, going into this and coming from that original announcement, I had the feeling that like this this show was really exactly what I've been wanting for so many years. Wow. You know, going back to, you know, pre twenty twelve, pre the oh. Disney acquisition, pre new Star Wars films, TV shows, all the stuff, you know, back when the Clone Wars was still on, you know, back in those days. Um there was this idea that kept being thrown around, and I think it was it was some people kept saying, "Oh yeah, get Joe Johnston to make a Boba Fett movie. That how cool would that be?" And that whole idea, and people kept saying, "Oh, they're gonna they're gonna he's gonna somehow you know they're gonna bring him back, or it's gonna be set you know between Empire and Jedi and all this kind of stuff, and all these different ideas people had, and it all sounded pretty well and good, and I was all for it. I think Boba Fett." Was prime was a prime character to give to give a starring role and and put him front and center and and develop him more. Um, but I always gravitated towards the idea of well we have this idea of that's been presented in Legends that he survived the Sarlacc pit. How cool would it be if you picked up from there? How you know obviously you can you know just do it between. Empire and Jedi or pre A New Hope or whatever. There's so many different time periods you could do even during the Clone Wars. Yeah. But doing it, picking up from the Sarlacc pit and telling his story from there means you can get back Tim Morrison to play the character. You can do all these different things. You can go completely different to the new territory going into this new era. It would be great. And they did that. Like they literally did that exact thing, which I have to applaud them for because, you know, and, you know, given the Mandalorian and given all the stuff that's going on in this new era of Star Wars, um, it made sense. But, you know, it would have been easy just to put it in the 
you know, before the original trilogy or whatever else, and I'm glad that they committed to this, committed to, you know, having him show up in Mandalorian, doing all this. And, you know, I just, I think it was a excellent premise, an excellent way to start this show, and I was very, very excited going in. Yeah, that's awesome, because, like, Boba Fett, like, in The Mandalorian Season 2 when he showed up, like... It felt like a side character at first, but like he actually had relevance to the plot. He felt like a main character, Boba Fett. And so that's why I thought when I saw that, I'm like, wow, it makes perfect sense to make a series about him. Boba Fett, you know, Ben, Boba Fett's one of my favorite characters. And like, let me let me tell you something, Ben. Um, A few days ago, I saw the local symphony orchestra play Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back in concert. Yes. I know, right? They played the music of the film over you know the visual you know seeing the film so it's like you're watching a film with a live orchestra and that's already incredible in and of itself but the fact that star wars and of course the empire strikes back like it was incredible and it's just it's always shocking to me how little screen time boba fett gets he only has like two or three lines in the empire strikes back it's and but yet just that one sequence or just that one film there's a lot of people were so impressed by Boba Fett, his appearance, his mystique, his aura. And I have, yeah, I have wanted for years you know, for Lucasfilm to make a Boba Fett film. It was sucky when you know Josh Chank was trying to do something and then, well, they had some issues or whatever's, um, and that didn't pan out. Um, but I remember, you know, when The Mandalorian was announced, I'm like, hmm, okay, Lucasfilm's going to put all their bets on Mando. I wonder if they could get Boba in this, if they could make a Boba, like it would turn into a Boba Fett series. And what what, what happened, Ben? It exactly happened. Like <laughs> Basically, that. like, you get a Boba Fett up. series. I know. I, you know, part of me was like, oh, man, it would have would have been cool if we had like an original trilogy era, like during the original trilogy, like you said, between Empire and Jedi. But even still, this is very fascinating to me. And yeah, this show, there, there was so much they did way more with it than i expected um so like okay so yeah let, let's just dive into it um i recommend if you're all listening watch all seven episodes on disney plus it's yeah. amazing worth it and you will understand half of what we'll be we'll continue to be saying in this podcast so did you expect book of boba fett like were you expecting it to be entirely standalone or were you expecting crossovers with the mandalorian or like of that nature yeah it's funny i i knew like it would be kind of its own thing and that were obviously like through the trailers whatever kind of telling us that um i did have the idea of like okay din jaren is definitely like 100 percent gonna show up in this show like um i never expected that much din Charin in the show <laughs> um i'm not really complaining um but you know it, it was it was shocking that i how right i was about that because uh you know obviously you know you you have these two characters boba fett already appearing a lot in the mandalorian um you know it made sense to bring in especially setting up what they set up at the end and you know all the the big war that was happening that you know we saw f- unfold in episode seven. Um, you know I think it was it was it was inevitable, but uh, I think they did. It was you know that that character is so strong, and, and considering the 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 ultimate uh, response to that episode, just absolutely just floored um, the <laughs> fandom 
as a whole. Um, <laughs> and I think uh, you know it, it it speaks for itself how much people love Din Djarin and love that character and 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 also Grogu who also showed up. I didn't expect that one. I oh my goodness, there's there's so much to unpack from all this, but just the fact that chapter five begins and it's all about Mando. Like I at first I was like, okay, this is probably like, you know, their opening little bit before, you know, you you know, it's their opening bit and then they'll get back to the boba business. But no, they they just they double down, Ben. They the whole episode is Mando. It's a it's a Mandalorian episode. (laughs) And like I don't think Boba Fett like in chapter five, I don't think Boba, the character, appears whatsoever. Fennec no. does at the end, but I don't think Boba's in it at all. So, like, it is legitimately a Mando season three episode, basically. So, with that said, let me ask you this. Did you think that was the right way to bring back Mando, or would you have preferred waiting for a Mando season three? Like an official season three, if you know what I mean. It's funny. I do have mixed feelings about this, and yeah. I've I've uh, I've explained this on both the Star Wars and the World podcast and the IPC podcast. This is the fourth podcast I've talked about this <laughs> show on. Okay, I had a lot of thoughts. I still haven't got them all out there. You're gonna get brand new thoughts tonight. Okay, Ooh. so don't 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 uh, don't think you're gonna get re- anything recycled because I've been thinking a lot about this. Good, good to know. <laughs> um, so I think I think for me, like episode when you get into that first Mandalorian episode where it's just Mando, you know, I was like, whoa, this is this is crazy. Like they're they're going all out with this. You know, they're not they're not they're intentionally like they could have had Boba show up at the end. And I think people would have been okay with that. But they were like intentionally like they had Fennec show up and they're like, No, you're not seeing Boba at all in this show. This is one hundred percent Dinjarin. And it was an amazing episode. I really I can't I think that might be my favorite episode of the entire se- season. So like I have a hard time, you know, complaining about it. Um, you know, you can argue, and maybe I might make this argument. Maybe I already have. I don't remember. But uh, you know, the idea of like losing focus and like keeping it's it's called the Book of Boba Fett, and we're dealing with Din Djarin. Din Djarin already has his own series. Why do you take it over somebody else's series? You know that whole thing. Um, I think this first episode I can deal with it. I can say, okay, it's it's fine. You're you're doing all these flashbacks with Boba Fett. Din Djarin is a, an important figure in Boba Fett's life. He's someone that 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 they helped each other. They you know Din Djarin gave him his armor back. Like he's Din Djarin is now forever connected to Boba Fett and the book of Boba Fett. So like it made sense to catch up with Din, figure out what he's doing, and set up for season three, which was fine. It was great. Um, I think my overall problem is what goes into like the next episode where you get Luke Skywalker and Ahsoka Tano. It kind of gets out of hand. And as much as I love seeing those characters, I freaking loved that episode. I'm still like, okay, what wh- what are we doing here? Could we could we have saved this? Could we instead of trying to kind of push pack it into a Book of Boba Fett episode and have like I would have liked to have like an entire episode of Luke training Grogu instead of half an episode. Yeah, could have given more time to breathe, and then you still have plenty of Boba Fett material to do. Um, so it is that juxtaposition. I, I don't want to keep you just harping on about this because you list if you happen to listen to the other four podcasts you're tired of me harping on this but <laughs> you know i i do i like the series overall i think it did uh, you know an incredible job this is i think some of this, the most incredible star wars storytelling i've ever seen in my life like there's some incredible stuff here but it's just weird it, it really is just weird you just kind of sit back and go like that was amazing but okay what the heck 
Like what what was all that? What did I just watch? Why would why am I watching the book of Boba Fett and it, all the stuff's in it, all these characters that I didn't expect? Um, so it's just very like I'm happy with this, but I'm also confused. And you know, it I things, but yeah. I think about it like this, Ben, that I, you remember, I don't know if you remember the Disney Plus Investor Day from, I think it was late 2020, where, or it might have been last, what is time anymore, Ben? Uh, whenever, <laughs> you know, time? Kathleen Kennedy was talking about, you know, all the upcoming Disney Plus Star Wars shows, and she was like, hey, you know, there's going to be some, you know, you're going to have Ahsoka and some other Mandalor shows spinning off from the Mandalorian in these interconnected series, and what I, I think Boba Book of Boba Fett did that perfectly in that you're not going to have just Boba Fett content on this show or just Ahsoka content on the Ahsoka show. Like it will connect to each other. And, you know, there may be times like I think Star Wars Explained on YouTube, um, he said it perfectly where like the Mandalorian stuff, think of it as like a an interlude or like a sub chapter. Yeah. And it, you're you know, it's all coming. It, it's all connecting back together, kind of like I'm really trying to think of a Marvel example, like when Captain America's Civil War, the movie was not a Captain America movie, really. It was an Avengers movie. It, that, like that's Captain actually America a was in it. brilliant example. That's actually a brilliant example yeah. that, uh, uh, you know, a brilliant analogy to what's going on here, because so much of that story is an Avengers story. It is an Avengers movie. And I love Civil War. I really like that movie. Um, but it does lose – it does start to lose focus on you know, Captain America because you're dealing with all this stuff. You're introducing Black Panther and Spider-Man and all these different things. You're dealing with you know, Wanda's trauma and, and all this kind of stuff and Vision, and there's so many things going on. It's great. And, and, it's a, it's a truly Marvel story. But, it, it, but, but Captain America is, is at points – left in the background and even though it's a great story you enjoy yeah. you still have to kind of stop and go like was that the best thing they should do that was that the right way to take that story or should they have done that um and at the end of the day both stories have been told told so like you really just kind of have to find a way to justify it or you're driving yourself insane <laughs> and like in book of boba fett like you have ahsoka luke grogu in and you know Cobb Vamp and like you know all these you know characters and like you know it feels it starts to feel like a Mandalorian season and I think I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing you know whatever you have to tell your story you know the story's being told and I think that's quite important you know Captain America's Civil War was followed up by the fantastic Infinity War and Endgame and you know who knows like, who knows what Mando season three will be, you know, like maybe it won't maybe, you know, the future won't be as, you know, disappointing as maybe some people think it fear it will be because, oh, they seem to rush some stuff in Book of Boba Fett. I don't right. think it's necessarily a bad thing. I it is concerning that, you know, from what I saw from the little bits I saw in the fandom um, that um that like a lot of people like okay chapters five through seven were more well received than chapters one through four and i think that's concerning and that you know people just want you know people just want to see mandalorian again and that's not a bad thing but you know it's telling that like you know people were more impressed by the mando stuff than the first four chapters that were all about boba and tatooine and the flashbacks and all that and you know i I, but I do also think that 
with how the Mandalorian characters were used in the Battle of Mos Espa in Chapter 7, I think, you know, that that the chapters five and six of telling the interlude of what happened with these characters before this battle. I think that was just as important because if all of a sudden, you know, and all of a sudden, Oh, I think we didn't get any, it was just still Boba Fett stuff, chapter five and six. Let's just assume that Ben. And we have chapter seven, all of a sudden Grogu and Mando and everyone's here. And we're like, what what the hell what what the hell like what if <laughs> just imagine if the first time we saw Grogu was that scene where the X-wing with an R2 and Grogu are coming and that's the first time you see Grogu it's like what what the, what the, what, what the heck you know yeah so, very confusing like straight up like so, so much that's why the development in chapter 6 even if some people think it's rushed i think some pe- folks need to temper their expectations a bit i think people were thinking for a year that that was going to be mando season three but i i still respect what they did here because grogu's part in the final battle was important in the end mando's part was important in the end so i think part of it is people had their own ideas of you know that always should have just went straight to mando season three right but I think once you set aside those expectations and your preconceived notions of what could happen, and you just look at the content that was released, I, I can't believe I'm talking more than you, Ben. This never happens, by the way. But this is how passionate I am about this show, Ben. That's how, I'm telling you, I love yeah. it. And but like, so what I'm trying to say is, I think when you just look at the content itself, that it is ultimately important in a way, and I think it is beautiful the way it was executed is are there flaws sure of course there are you know nothing's perfect but i i still love in the end like how how it all resolved how they how the bookends occurred how there was resolution to it turning into mandalorian like there was a reason for that and while we're sort of on the topic of most espa Holy crap, we were in Mos Espa, Ben. <laughs> yeah, I know. So for reference, this is not Mos Eisley from the original trilogy. Oh, no, no, no. This is where, in from the prequels, where little Anakin, where Anakin grew up as a slave, where Wado, Saboba, you know, where the Bunta Eve classic pod race is at. And I, one could argue there weren't enough prequel references, despite the new Razor Crest, if you know what I mean. Uh, but, I mean... What did you think of this sh- a Book of Boba Fett's portrayal of Mos Espa in c- comparison and likely contra and a big contrast to the prequels? Yeah, that was something that totally shocked me that the Book of Boba Fett <laughs> would be the show or I, just the thing, movies, TV shows, whatever in modern Star Wars that would have the most prequel references, and it's not even close. Like there's a good bit in like Solo and even the Mandalorian like did a lot of stuff and whatever else. Obviously Ahsoka showing up so like that like to the Clone Wars. Obviously having Dave Filoni is a big deal, but like mm-hmm. Book of Boba Fett went all out. You have the flashbacks to you know the, the the you know to Boba's past on Camino. You have obviously as you're saying Mos Espa. You've got those giant Scorpionic droids which are you know. Maybe not, maybe not straight prequel references, but like obviously supposed to look like the the destroyer droids. Um, 
and then you've you've got Ahsoka showing up again. You've got so many other things. There's like I can't even like I need I want to go through and like list. I'm sure like Star Wars Explained already has, but like I want to like count how many references to like the prequels and the Clone Wars there are just in this show because it's astounding. And like props to them for like we're finally over the hump of like nobody likes the prequels, whatever. Shut up. <laughs> All right. Here we are. You want to know what's so funny, Ben? I, I have a feeling that the sequel trilogy will be redeemed in 10 to 20 years as well. The same thing's going it, to it's a cycle. It happens. That's what is so <laughs> that's what's so funny and also infuriating about where yeah. we are in Star Wars fandom mm-hmm. right now is just like people are going like <laughs> like. And they're in the same breath. They're like, well, the, the nobody – well, people like the prequels now, but the sequels suck. Like dude, uh, 10 years ago, y'all were talking about how much you hated the prequels and whatever else, and now you've forgotten all about that, and now the sequels are your punching bag. Like give it five years. I'll, I wouldn't give it five years Like, you know, because stuff moves so fast now, I think. You know, people are just like whatever the new thing is they like, that's what's good, and whatever the slightly older thing is the bad thing. Like, and that's just where people are at. So, like the Mandalorian, that's what's keeping Star Wars alive. That's what redeemed Star Wars. That's what they're gonna retcon the Mandal <laughs> the sequel trilogy with the Mandalorian. All this kind of stuff is just like, God, you people like you're not even. You're not even trying anymore. See, the difference between Ben, the difference between you and I is that you're the one who sees all the stuff on Star Wars Twitter, man. <laughs> I look, you'll be proud of me to know I stopped tweeting. Oh wow. I, I'm impressed I, by that. <laughs> I took a break from my personal Twitter and it, it it might turn out to be permanent. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Um because hey, I, hey, I I to be frank, you know, I deleted my Twitter accounts. I that that I, was toxic to my mental health personally. I so don't I blame stopped. you. Um obviously I still it's literally my job to be on Twitter and post <laughs> stuff on Twitter. So like I'm still on Twitter. I'm just not like tweeting personal stuff and you know, getting angry and tempted to like for some stupid reason respond to some of these idiots. Um so uh yeah, I, I'm 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 taking a leave of absence for my own uh, personal mental health, as you say. So uh, it's it, it's it's been good yeah. so far. Um. So so, what did you think specifically, just about Mos Espa? Like, was there ever a moment when you watched the series that it hit you that you were in Mos Espa, or like I'm because I'm trying I'm trying to pinpoint like you know I don't know if you loved Mos Espa and especially Episode One, The Phantom Menace, uh, in the prequel trilogy, but like, what did you think about its specific portrayal in Boba Fett? Well, yeah, it was interesting seeing Mos Espa because I didn't even know it was Mos Espa until we, we got there and we started watching the show because I thought it was like, oh, this is another town or whatever. It wasn't quite a thing. It, it, you know, you don't see the pod race arena or whatever else. We really didn't see that much of Mos Espa, I guess, in, in The Phantom Menace, and we see a lot more of it in this show or at least another part of it. So that was really cool. They could have made it another town, but they specifically made it Mos Espa and, and you know, tried to develop that more. That's interesting. That's that's really good, and, I, and, and it makes the universe, you know, not smaller but more cohesive. It makes sense. It's not just fan service or fan service. It just all makes sense, and I love that. Um, yes, I would have loved to have seen, you know, the Padres Arena or something or Watto Shop or something like that. You know, if he's still around, who knows? But uh, you know, it it was really cool to. Go back to the city and I'm talking about Mos Espa all the time. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, 
Anakin's old stomping grounds. You know, it's, it's 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 really cool. What you know, in in you know, in real time, it's been you know 20 years, and mm-hmm. and uh, Star Wars time, it's been more like 50 years, which is crazy. <laughs> and I, I wonder, like someday, I wonder if some fans have already like scoured Chapter Seven, the whole episode during the battle, almost asked, but just to see any Easter eggs. Wouldn't it be so cool if like like in one shot in the background you see like Watto's garage? <laughs> it's probably <laughs> unlikely, but man, that'd be so cool. That would be cool. But yeah, while we're talking about 50 years in between, it you know Mosespa, you know, first time we saw Mosespa in episode one, The Phantom Menace, and the Book of Boba Fett. So on the one hand, and we t- I think we talked about this with Mando season two, Boba Fett is old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like we saw, you know, like it, he, and you saw it in these flashbacks, this time with the Tuscans and with the Pikes, and you know what happened with Mandalorian. And just like Boba Fett's gone through some stuff, man. <laughs> it's he has grown a lot, and they even showed some cool flashbacks of when Daniel Logan was. Um, was Boba Fett and Attack of the Clones. Like, there's some clone flashbacks. That was pretty sweet. But, um, like, Tatooine has uh, has made Boba grow a lot, wouldn't you say, Ben? Yeah, I mean, it is. And the whole, I don't know, there's a lot of symbolism. There's a lot of uh, spirituality to, you know, um, the whole idea of, of, of Boba Fett and showing that in the show of him growing up on a planet literally covered in water and then now him ending up on a planet that has no water <laughs> and is completely dry um but you know also the, all those references and the more backstory we got on Tatooine that it was once uh you know they had giant oceans and they all dried up like that I want to more more want to know more about that obviously but uh you know it's Boba Fett is you know for all the times people have just said oh he's he's just you know he's he's not a deep character you know he just looks cool or whatever like this show puts all that to rest like it makes him so much more of an interesting character i think i think that's one of the the really big things big things this this show does right in regards to yeah. you know giving boba you know and com- i feel like it's completing what george lucas started with the character george lucas created him in, you know, in the Empire Strikes Back, just as a cameo, basically, just to show up in the background. Then in the prequels, he gets a little more context. You learn more about him. He's a kid. He's, you know, all this kind of stuff. He, in the Clone Wars, is even more deeper, um, and shows that he's not completely heartless. He's kind of, you know, doing this. You know, he he doesn't want to be just killing people, and and you know yeah. he's kind of pushed into it by some other hunters. Um, and having him come back to that in this show. And develop him further and go, okay, underneath all that, you know, bad stuff, there is a human being under there that, you know, and oh. after having a very life altering experience would come out of that going like, wow, I need to rethink my life. You know what's so funny to me? This stupid thought just came into my brain, Ben. There's going to be someone on the Reddits or the Twitters or somewhere online. It's going to be like, well, Boba Fett became an SJW. <laughs> oh, they're like, already saying that. <laughs> I love the fact that 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 like the show 
keeps like you have both Fennec and Bane call him out and go like you're going soft. Like that's exactly what they've been saying online. Like Boba Fett is a wimp. He's going soft. Oh my god. Because he doesn't want to murder everyone. Cad Bane is Reddit. (laughs) It really is. It really is. Speaking of multiple decades taking a toll on someone, Cad Bane, dude. (laughs) Cad freaking Bane. Look, I am... I am not happy that he's dead, or at least apparently he's dead. Um, but man, they did him right. I think they really, the look and everything. Obviously, the voice is the same, but uh, bringing him into the show was something that I was really wanting, really hoping for. Um, and and maybe a little bird told me he might show up at at some point before. Um, but uh, seeing him in the show was was just great. I just my only complaint is like he didn't like he was there and he was gone like i wanted so much more of him yeah i it's funny ben i saw the reaction video that your friends at culture slate did oh yeah cad bane and (laughs) and just the everyone's just like oh no oh that's cad bane oh 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 (laughs) just oh yeah the reactions all the reactions were just great like wait a minute i know that hat Okay, let's just talk for for a hot minute about just that scene that Dave Filoni obviously directed. Um, uh, just that shot, you know, you know the shot I'm talking about, the wide shot in out in the desert, um, and you see the silhouette of Cad Bane. Just that scene, incredible, is a that scene in and of itself is a visual ge- visual genius. I can barely talk. I'm so excited, Ben. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Yeah, just Cad Show, just mind-blowing that we're here. Mind-blowing your, that – I'm sorry, what were you saying? What was your reaction like the first time you watched that episode and you just saw Cad Bane? I was just like, they're doing it. I'm like, <laughs> they're legit doing it. I thought they might do it. I heard oh. they would do it, Um, and they're doing it. Like, you know, and just – Having him show up, you know, have you know his head down, and you hear the voice, and you see his eyes, and it's just a excellent, it's just a master class in revealing a character, um, and doing so, you know, and I love seeing all the reactions because, like, yeah, if you think about it, Cad Bane has not been in that much Star Wars. He was in a handful of Clone Wars episodes. Um, and he was in a couple episodes of Bad Batch, yeah. and he was in a few comics, like really. But he's permeated the culture so much; people love that guy. And uh, even though he's an, he's an a hole, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, seeing him come back and and seeing the fandom just light up in response to that was just so good. What's so fascinating is the history that Cad Bane has with both Boba and Fennec, and I think seeing Fennec. In the Bad Batch, facing off against Bane was very important to showing that it wasn't just a, oh, that, oh, Fennec is showing up for an episode. That's a pretty cool cameo. And like, oh, Cad Bane, surprise villain. Whoa. But there is there is interconnected um, connections. I, this is how I'm so excited about this. Um, there is so many, much connection with not just Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett, but the Clone Wars and the Bad Batch with Book of Boba Fett. Ironically, Dave Filoni's had his hands stirred in all of those shows, but but still, Ben, like that. This is just it, it, it's incredible. It really is. It's just seeing. <laughs> 
you know, like I said, like where we've come from and now we're here. Like we started from the bottom, now we're here. Like, you know, it it really is like this just incredible story and, and seeing everything continue to think and seeing things come back. Like I, I love seeing new things. I love the Star Wars story expanding and bringing in new characters and Book of Both had brought us plenty of new characters really great characters but uh you know seeing them being willing to also go back and pick even obscure stuff to <laughs> to bring back and and showcase in this show is i appreciate it a lot yeah. I, I appreciate the the deep cuts so what did you think i re- i want to know what you think of this of um of boba fett's relationship with the new rancor that the huts gave him um and especially seeing the rancor trainer the very special guest star danny trejo like what was your reaction just to seeing him on screen (laughs) i that was so surprising yet like made so much sense having (laughs) danny trejo um show up but uh you know i i'm i just you know he's he's great. Um, I think he fits well in Star Wars. Weirdly, um, and you know having a rancor, man. I think uh, you know, you know, I think there was obviously a need for that. They had an empty rancor pit and bringing bringing a rancor pit and just like using a rancor better than they ever have before. Like you know, obviously yeah. we've seen rancor do this, do that, whatever. But like and. I think – you know what? I just realized this. Force Unleashed actually beat them to the point. Oh, yeah. I, yes, believe, I believe it was uh, – well, what's her name? Shock T who wrote a rancor oh, on yes, Felucia, yes. I think. On Felucia. But, but not in this way. Not nearly as cool as this. Like the whole buildup and setting that up, and then he like jets away. He's like, I got to go get reinforcements. Like what's he going to do? <gasps> I know what he's going to do. He's going to go get the rancor. And uh, – just wrecking house with that thing and, and having this like something we've never seen before, which is like giant robot versus giant beast. Like, you know, <laughs> step aside Godzilla versus Kong. Like wow. this is the real uh real the real fight here. How, how, you heard it here, folks. Ben Hart just called a droid a robot. You heard it here first. <laughs> well, so does Luke Skywalker on New Hope. <laughs> it wasn't the first one. <laughs> um yeah, I think so often throughout the Star Wars saga that we've seen before. Rancors, like even in The Force Unleashed, the Rancors are just enemies you gotta beat. They're the bad, they're monsters, the bad guys, right? And Boba Fett changes that. You're seeing, I mean, they could have done more with Boba cultivating his relationship with the Rancor, but even so, they're already doing more than has been done before in Star Wars, where you're seeing the Rancor being used as an ally as opposed to an enemy. I mean, yeah, there was that brief moment in Chapter 7 when he turns into an enemy for a sec. Thank you, Cad Bane. But um, it's just fascinating seeing the Rancor in this light. And it reminds me of um, that episode of The Bad Batch where we see one of Jabba's Rancors being you know, rescued by the Batch. Uh, what's his name? Mochi? Mochi? Oh, yeah. Mochi from Bad yeah. Batch. Yes. 
Uh, and and you look at it and it's like, oh, look at him. He's so monstrous. He's so cute. You know what I mean? They're, they're becoming likable. I mean, Ben, Ben, we're going to have a Rancor Disney Plus show in five years. I mark my words. <laughs> oh, my God. Now I'm ex- now now I'm excited. <laughs> and if I'm disappointed, I'm going to blame you because that sounds amazing. <laughs> but, yeah, what do you think of the Rancors being seen in such a new light for Star Wars? You know? Well, yeah, I think I, I love this whole idea of, like, let's take something – that we knew and uh um you know doing doing it justice and adding more layers to it and having danny trejo of all people on star (laughs) wars go like oh rancor are emotionally complex creatures um uh uh you know i i love that i love the whole idea of that and that's that's development that's how you build a universe it's like okay take something you thought you knew about this and you know, you didn't. Um, and, uh, you know, you know, it's the whole idea of don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah, of course. Hmm. Um, Rancors are, are not just, you know, killing machines as we thought they were. Um, hmm. There's a lot more to them, and that that's great. And then, of course, it's at the end. The little baby Grogu calms down the Rancor. It's just so, so thematically symbolic. And it, it's it's so amazing. Like, knowing you remember in Mando Season 1 where – Oh crap! What was it? The big horn creature that Grogu calmed down and stopped. That was the mud horn. The, the mud horn. horn. And this the book ends of that is it, just so incredible and just just a cute moment of little Grogu sleeping next to the Rancor. I, I I can't I can't I can't. It's so freaking cute. I know I know. Like oh man um. So there was another thing about Cad Bane that I just remembered I wanted to talk about, and that was the sh- actual shootout scene. Like we got a classic Western um, – was it – what did they call it? A draw? Yeah, something uh, – it was probably a, a, like a technical a duel. Or yeah. A duel. Yeah, yeah, duel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, oh my goodness. Like when you first saw Cobb Vanth in The Mandalorian, like were you hoping something like this would happen? Like a – just a good old no holds barred duel. Yeah, I this was I mean seeing Cad Bane and Boba finally go at it after all this time of hearing about their duel, their original duel, and all this kind of stuff. Uh, finally getting that was was uh, was great. It just really and, and the fact that even in Boba Fett's own show they weren't like afraid to like <laughs> have Cad Bane win. Like it could have been easily just like, oh, yeah, he, he was just quick to the draw and he killed Cad Bane. Nah, Cad Bane is still maybe the better gunner. You know, maybe he's the better gunslinger, but Boba was still able to get to the best of him. And I think, you know, having having Boba be vulnerable, but also still being able to pull it out and, and you know, get on top quite literally, yeah. quite literally <laughs> and uh, stab him <laughs> and, you know, bringing that back around, um, which, you know, yeah, disappointing to have the Tuscans get killed off like they were. But like the legacy lives on with that Gaffy stick, which was great. Yeah, absolutely. I, and actually, I just realized that, yeah, that Gaffy stick that he also used in Mando season two, like that to kill all those stormtroopers. Like I, I forgot, dude, that he got it from the Tuscans. He crafted it for them. That's. Yeah, um, but yeah, especially um, even before the Cad Bane and Boba draw or uh, the duel, um, there was also you know from that scene in Freetown with Cobb Vanth, um, where they did like a similar duel with that, and obviously 
Cad Bane um, disarms Cobb Vanth and uh, completely kills the deputy person, the deputy uh, sergeant of Freetown. But um, why did you think they kept – and we learned at the end of Chapter 7 that Cobb Vanth is, is being healed and is still alive mm-hmm. and being augmented in some way. Um, but – why why did you think Cad Bane only disarmed Cobb Vanth and didn't kill him outright? Yeah, that is something that's a, become a trend with Cad Bane now. Both both with Hunter and Bad Batch. And yeah. now um, you know, he 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 just hit him in the shoulder. And you know, I I don't uh I don't uh, I don't think Cad Bane is one to uh to take prisoners unless he's like contract to do so if he wants to kill you he'll kill you um i don't think he intentionally um disarmed someone or or wounded them i think mm-hmm. those shots were probably to kill in the real world we call that plot armor okay <laughs> <laughs> we uh you know hunter uh hunter and uh you know, Cobb Vanth, both very beloved characters, characters that the writers really can't touch, unfortunately, or, or fortunately, because I don't want either of them to die. But, uh, you know, so they, they got in the shoulder. I think in Cobb Vanth's case, it makes a little more sense because Cad Bane was like going to straight up like murder Cad Bane, Cobb Vanth, but the deputy got the jump on him. Yeah. So he he had to like really quickly, maybe not aiming very well, hit Cobb Vanth mm-hmm. and keep him from shooting him, and then just blast the crap out of the, the deputy. So in a sense, the deputy saved the sheriff. So the oh, okay, so the idea was Cad Bane was disarming Cobb so that Cad Bane would have all the shots to the deputy. Or maybe he was just so quick he couldn't quite yeah. get Cobb Vanth where he wanted him. So he's just like, okay, I got you in the shoulder and knock you down. Okay, now I gotta go smoke this other fool. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, he shot him like ten times. Did Did you like seeing? Um, uh, you know, uh, I think it was Most Pelgo before, but now Freetown. Um, did you like how seeing it again in Boba Fett after it being seen in Mandalorian and uh, its connections to the Pike Syndicate and the Tatooine stuff we've been learning about throughout the Book of Boba Fett? Yeah, I, I love seeing Freetown now, as it's called now again. Um, you know, great, uh, great to go back there. And, and you know, I was wanting Cap Cobb Vanth for the whole series. I was like, oh, come on, come on, come on, bring Cobb Vanth back. He's like, he's right there. He's on Tatooine. Um, <laughs> and having him show up, I think, was was really great. Um, and going back to Freetown, and you know, and them them showing up for you know again, showing how how freaking great those people are in that town that they twice already they kind of like they don't want to get involved but they get involved mm-hmm. and they save the day so uh it's great so there was another you see we're, we're talking a big theme in this episode of hype function is um all the references and easter eggs and connections to other star wars stuff and i think something that is underrated not as many people will talk about is the appearance of cammy and fixer from the tashi station scenes of a new hope was in, not it was in, expecting I, that. I know it was in one of the flashbacks, correct? Yeah, it was the it was the second episode, I believe. Yeah, because yeah, we we they they tipped it off in the first uh, one of the TV spots. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that's such like again masterclass in in fan service. The fact <laughs> that it was something that if you watch the episode and you you know you just you didn't know it. You just watched Star Wars. You wouldn't 
catch Cammy and Fixer in this episode. You have no idea who these people are. You think, oh, but, they're just some side characters. Right. Um. So whatever. But like, if you're a Star Wars fan, you know the lore. You've seen those deleted scenes. You're freaking the heck out, going like, oh my god, they got these people and they recast them. They got new actors to play them as Cammy and as Fixer and as Toshi Station. Oh my gosh. And you know that's just that's. That's Favreau and Filoni, I guess, for you. Like they, they will go all out for this stuff. Um, so I, I, I appreciated just the amount, the level of detail they put into that scene that they didn't have to. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I think another thing I want to talk about is um, Tamura Morrison's just his performance as Boba Fett. Like, you know, yeah, I know we're going going all over the place. That that's just oh, yeah, how I am. That's just how I am. Scatterbrain. It's just how we are. I mean, we just have lots of Star Wars thoughts that we got to air out. Um, just I love Tim Morrison's performance. Like probably for the for the next year, I'm going to keep I'm going to imitate. My name is Boba Fett. Like just oh, the way he <laughs> performs his dialogue in this show is just incredible. I think I saw some uh, critic reviews saying that for the early episodes, it was his without Tamura Morrison. This show would have probably sucked. like he was the show at least you know for the first four chapters and like just his performance was so incredible ben what did you think of tim morrison tim morrison is really an underrated actor i think and someone who you know he didn't get a whole lot to do he's not really gotten a whole lot to do in star wars especially as boba fett over the years um i think it was an incredible idea again they didn't have to do this. They could have just been like, oh, yeah, we're going to cast a new actor. We're going to do this in a trilogy. No, they kept to the the original lore and, and you know expanded on this and gave Tim Orson a way to come back and, and do something knowing full well. Like there's a perfect opportunity to let him come back and play this character um, after playing Django. Um, and, and it worked. It worked so brilliantly, and I, I think, yes, he is – he's an actor. Like he's not subtle. Tim Morrison is so like over the top. Those facial expressions he has when he's like stabbing down at stormtroopers and all that kind of stuff. He is getting into it. But he's an actor. He's he's not. This is not subtlety. This is he's full on. And I you gotta you gotta love him for that. You gotta love just the fact that he is all in on this. Um and you know giving further credence to Boba Fett. And his story and giving him more time just to talk, just to talk. And, and it's feeling like one of my favorite episodes this episode. I think it's four where he just there's like multiple scenes of him sitting around a campfire just talking to Fennec about like, hey, I'm tired of these idiots, you know, running places. I'm going to make my own house and whatever else. Like you've never gotten that with Boba. You've never gotten his point of view on things. And I think that's what I appreciate the most about the show is that it gave Boba a mouthpiece and, and you know, the best mouthpiece was tim morrison and his just amazing acting chops before before mando takes over as they do (laughs) um but yeah that's just really incredible um let's see um what did you think of the music of the book of boba fett um ludwig gordonson back at it again um and joseph shirley who helped out Mm -hmm. with the mandalorian music is the primary composer and ben i think 
I'm sure like when you guys are cultures, they probably posted a meme about this or I saw something somewhere that um <laughs> like it's like, oh, OK, Ludwig, let's just make this little Boba Fett theme. It's not much. And Ludwig just goes all out with the theme. It's just so good. Um, but just the music in general is so good. And, you know, when Mando you know comes back or when the Mandalorian is referenced, you hear the Mandalorian motif, the little oral, the audio cue of Mandalorian um but just man i the the music was top tier just as good in my opinion as mandalorian's music and and again you know i still like i said before on this podcast i love that ludwig gornson is doing his own thing he's not beholden to john williams again and this is coming from a diehard john williams fan like he's my favorite composer man but Still, you you have those vibes that you got the Mandalorian, but while making you know their own themes and you know like the I listened to the whole score, Ben, um, especially for the first four chapters, uh, <coughs> um, like Joseph Shirley basically adapted the theme that Ludwig wrote for Book of Boba Fett, the main Book of Boba Fett theme, right. and in similar ways to how John Powell did all these variations and adaptations of the solo a star the han solo theme that john williams composed for so for the solo movie like there's some similarities there which i find and parallels which i find very fascinating but um but um as a star wars fan like what were your impressions of the book of boba fett's music oh it's it's great like and and props i don't think he's getting enough props but you know obviously ludo Gorenson is getting all the props for like mandalorian and being an Oscar winner and all this kind of stuff, he's wonderful. But like Joseph Shirley came in and took the ball and absolutely ran with it, and it was amazing. Um, and really created, I think, some really great themes. And and you know, th- there's not just the the very tribal, you know, stuff, the all the choruses and uh, hey and all this <laughs> stuff in in the book of Buffett, especially in that in theme. Um. But, you know, there's a lot of great instrumental stuff when in episode six, when we get uh, Luke Skywalker and Ahsoka, like there's Man. some great instrumental stuff. Beautiful, beautiful music oh, in yeah. there um, illustrating there those characters return and, and you know, it did, did it beautifully. Um, so I I appreciate that so much. I, you know, and, and I've already been listening to some of the stuff online because all the, all the soundtracks out now. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, whoo. Yeah, it's, it's good. A good. It's a good soundtrack. I highly recommend listening to it on YouTube or Spotify or wherever you listen to music. Like it, it's on most of the music streaming services. It's really good. It, you know, if you love Ludwig Gornson's Mandalorian music, or if you just love his style of composition, like you're going to love Book of Boba Fett music as well. I, I think, I don't know. I, I wonder, like, I don't know. I wasn't, so kind of off topic, but um, I wasn't really following how the fandom was reacting to the book of Boba Fett. Ben, you know, because you're more, you put, you know, you, you dive into the Star Wars fandom pool, um, and yeah. so like, what did you? How were people generally reacting? You know, and was there a contrast between the first four chapters and you know the last three when it you know obviously turned into Mando? Right. I mean, I think from my point of view, and everyone you know has it differently but i i probably read more comments and tweets than the average person <laughs> um uh sometimes to my own detriment but uh i just enjoy it and also it's kind of my job too but 
it's uh you know it was kind of it was slow going you know the first four chapters were like people were kind of getting restless i think the show was especially those first four episodes were it's a slow burn it wasn't meant to like push it wasn't every episode supposed to be like this bombastic thing where everything's happening like it was kind of a slow character study on boba fett and i'm not saying i loved every episode in fact the first episode was episode i'm like i'm not sure i feel about that i'm not sure i'm totally feeling this show in particular the second episode really picked up for me and i enjoyed the rest of the episodes but um you know i understand some people were just not into it and and it was it was a different show it it really was Mm -hmm. the first four episodes were very different from mandalorian and if i think people were kind of mandalorian set the tone Everybody loved Mandalorian, <laughs> and this episode, this show from the get-go was not going to please everyone. It was, but, at, a, it was at a disadvantage from the get-go because Mandalorian laid the foundation. All the other Star Wars stuff we've had are either films or animated shows, you know, like on Disney Plus, you know. So exactly, it, high bar. But but then Din Djarin showed up, <laughs> and everything changed. Um, and I think it's safe to say, like the like like. I'm looking at this from also a business perspective yeah. of like I am now I am now in charge of a, a lot of a YouTube channels and stuff like that and and looking at a lot of stats for Facebook pages and Twitters. Um, the fandom went ballistic when Mando showed up. I'm not even like you can't even fathom like how crazy things got. Um, we Star Wars Underworld was like gaining like yeah. like a thousand followers a day. Or at I'm least sure, 500 per, per day. And that's, I'm, sure, that's, I'm sure Star Wars culture and Culture Slate also got a bunches of views when you all started posting the reactions to those episodes, those that, chapters. Oh, you you have no idea. You have no <laughs> idea. But I'm think I th- I'm assuming everyone was thinking because everyone was into Star Wars. Like when everyone's talking about Star Wars and everything, we're growing and we're you know you see that stuff and it was palpable that few weeks um and right after that episode came out so i think everyone was like it was a breath of fresh air to like have to bring din Djarin back and and basically have an episode of mandalorian season three like dropped in your lap without any warning um i didn't expect that at all um and i think it even went further with you know luke skywalker even though people were still like bewildered like oh, this is the book of boba fett there's luke skywalker and there's no boba fett you know natural questions you usually ask like I get it, but uh, you know, it was just insane. Um, and so, you know, so, yeah, go ahead. So I, yeah, that reminds me. I, I want to talk about Luke for for a minute or for a few minutes because like we haven't yeah. really talked about him in this episode. And like, man, I there was one point when watching chapter six, I'm like, they're not doing this. They're, they're doing it. What? No, I, I'm in disbelief. How are they doing this? This too soon for this? Like I, you know, I, even I had some mixed emotions, but overall, like I was very impressed by how they treated like Luke, and I was surprised as well. For some reason, I thought he had already had his, you know, academy of students that we, you know, we see, you know, with Ben Solo in flashbacks in the sequel trilogy. Um, but um, seeing. I was just so fascinating the way that whole thing was presented and I'm sure like, you know, that they had a fun time making that just, there was just those funny Grogu segments, but just seeing the way Luke is um, like, I'm still wondering, like, I'm curious. I'm so fascinated that he even gave Grogu a choice between Yoda's lightsaber or, 
you know, or going back to the Mandalorian and then of course the, you know, Mando's gift as we all know. But I just, I'm just very fascinated by how they presented that there were some great visual parallels too. Like for example, I told I told you earlier in this podcast episode that I saw Empire Strikes Back in concert. There was a scene where Grogu was on Luke's back, exactly like Yoda in Empire. Like <laughs> so good. Ben, like what 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 were your what were your thoughts about how they treated Luke and Grogu in Chapter Six? Um, I mean, it was amazing. It was it was amazing to see. I did not expect this at all. Um, and you know, it wasn't just like, oh my God, it's Luke Skywalker training a new generation of Jedi and training Grogu, and Grogu's back. I didn't expect to see him so soon. All this kind of stuff. It was the technical aspect of like, wow, this Luke Skywalker looks so much better. Like, and you so think much of. Better. And sorry to interrupt again, but you think you you compare to you know not even Luke from last season of Mando, but you think of how you know in Rogue One how Tarkin and Leia were treated, and in Rise of Skywalker seeing a younger Luke and Leia, and it, it's impressive just even from that how much improvement has been made over the years with this technology. Yeah, and and really a, a so much so much improvement just in a year or two. You know, you had Mandalorian season two come out and was, I mean, quite frankly, very controversial. I know a lot of people who were like, oh, this is fantastic. Luke's back. And then I was was controversial. (laughs) (laughs) Well, his the way his face looked was. controversial. Oh, okay. (laughs) And, you know, I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. But also, yeah, Luke does look a little bit weird. I'm not sure how I feel about this. Um. This time and and so much so I disliked that so much I was like I don't want to see Luke again I I don't I don't I, I don't want to see him again I you know I, I just hope they just kind of stay away from him and we you know they somehow avoid him now after seeing this episode I'm like give me a full Luke series like do it like I would be totally on board because it looked incredible like almost seamless um, without hardly any flaws um. You know, it's it's amazing what they've done. So like I'm kind of like they've won me over with this whole like CGI people. I'm not saying they should abuse that power that they've had. Um, but uh, you know, it is it's possible. Somehow they made it possible and I'm very impressed. Yeah, and okay, I need to know where did Luke get Yoda's lightsaber from? Did he just like take it after Luke after Yoda after Yoda became one of the well, forces? See, that'd be that'd be so mean. Well, see, that's an interesting thing. So, okay, so we last time we saw Yoda's lightsaber in the films, it was falling down from Sidious knocks it out of his hand in the te- in the Senate chamber, and it falls to the floor. And we're assuming from that point on, and it, Yoda uses loses his cape oh, and I he thought, crawls away. I had always assumed Yoda brought it to Dagobah. Well, huh. okay, okay. So I'll get to that in a second. So okay, I'm sorry. He, go, he, he <laughs> gets he get no, you're fine. He gets out of there, and it, you don't see it on him or whatever. You're assuming that he lost it, that he wasn't able to go back and pick it up, and then flash forward. And I specifically remember going into the I think it was the visual visual dictionary, or it was probably the Incredible Cross Sections book for DK, and there's 
section in there, if you go to the Dagobah's the, – the, the Yoda's hut on Dagobah's section of that, there's a little chest in Yoda's hut, and it says this is a chest that ha- holds Yoda's lightsaber, assuming that like it was there in Yoda's hut, and he had kept it on Dagobah all those years. And I had that question. I'm like, okay, how did he get it? You know what was they? And there's also there's a canon comic from just a few years ago where Masameda has Yoda's lightsaber and he burns Whoa. it, he destroys it like what? publicly. Um, and that throws a whole wrench in the gears. Like how did like it makes sense that Masameda had it, but then how did how did Yoda get it back? Was it? A, and I think Star Wars explained. Alex said that. He thought maybe just Yoda just built a new lightsaber, which I guess is possible, but definitely not uh, illustrated in the films or anything. So uh, it's weird. I think I, – I don't know. I would be willing to – you know, like that's a kind of like f- from where it sh- – where it's in Revenge of the Sith to where it shows up in the Book of Boba Fett. You're like, OK, how does this work? Favreau, explain it to me. <laughs> we're going to get the Favreau scoop. Um <laughs> Um, I wonder, though, if this will end up becoming another one of those canon overrides that we've been seeing um, where stuff from the films and or Disney Plus series will override what's in the comics or novels. I think we saw that a little bit in the sequel trilogy as well. So I'm curious if that's like another thing that's kind of happening with this, Ben. Yeah, see, that was the whole thing with like the old Legends canon of like there was a tiered system where, you know, if it was in the films, it was canon. And if it was if it was in a, like a book or a t it was like a, if it was in a TV show that it was canon, but unless the movies overrid it, then it's, it's canon and it's not canon. So now we're kind of back to that of like it's canon, but if if a movie says otherwise, like the movie is the big dogs, TV shows are big dogs now. Um, you know that's what they say goes. Um, but ultimately, what you have to remember. And people on the internet, especially on Twitter, don't remember this. It's all fake. It's just a movie, and there's going to be inconsistencies, and it's all generated. And a lot of these inconsistencies, I bet five bucks, they're just chalked up to somebody forgot. Somebody forgot that yeah. one thing, and they just wrote it, and they're like, oh, mm. crap. And what are you going to do? You know, you know it's it fake. reminds me of. It reminds me of something. Um, I just beat Kingdom Hearts 3. So Ooh. I don't know how much you know about Kingdom Hearts, the video game series, but it combines Disney and Final Fantasy and Final Fantasy video game series and a lot of you know, older Disney properties and stuff. Like you have a character playing with Donald Duck and Goofy as companions. Like th- there's already a lot that could go wrong with canon and even with within the, the – all the games is plots like there's some weird contradictions that sometimes happen and and other times they over explain things and like the the fandom of kingdom hearts is so divisive on like certain things they get into heated arguments i read stuff about it, like on reddit or on tv tropes just about of all the things that are contested and debated and what's so fascinating to me is is just seeing these parallels to my first um my first exposure to it, which was obviously the Star Wars fandom. And, yeah. but with what you just said, Ben, I have to remind myself of that sometimes that don't stress about it too much. Just enjoy it. 
I got to go back to what I've been like most of my life because it's so easy, Ben, you know, when you're on Reddit a lot or you're on Twitter a lot or just engaging with when you get so passionate about what you love, you end up taking it way too seriously and, you know, focusing on these little inconsistencies and what is canon and, you know, what, you know, this this didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. And it's a constant you know, I have to constantly remind myself and relearn of just I just enjoy it. And I think, you know, with Kingdom Hearts, I've been playing through that series for the past four or five months. I've been enjoying that a lot with Book of Boba Fett, with the sequel trilogy, with all, all quite frankly, all the Star Wars content we have gotten in the past decade or so. I, I just sit back, eat some popcorn and enjoy it because it is like you said, Ben, it is fake. And, you know, it's meant to be enjoyed, but it's it is utterly fascinating from a psychological perspective how people get so heated about some of this stuff. And like, do do you do you have moments like that where you just need to, you know, when you read and like you said earlier in this podcast that you read more tweets and more comments than the average person? Like, do you have a moment where like, you know, especially with Star Wars, where you just got to take a step back and just, you know, just 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 soak it and just enjoy it, just ruminate, you know, like, does that kind of happen, or am I just spouting nonsense? <laughs> no, you're you're right on the money. I, I I would be willing to say most people have you know deal with these kind of issues. Um, I know especially because, you know, I am I am literally involved in social media all the time. I'm access to many pages, and I see a lot mm-hmm. of comments. And 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 the fandom can bring me down sometimes. Yeah. Um, and you know can come out of that going like ah, you know, I I enjoy this, but. People online don't want me to enjoy it, and they're doing their best to get under my skin, and I just have to turn them off. And and yeah. the vice and vice versa can happen. You know, I there are things in Star Wars that I don't totally enjoy that that have tested my patience and tested what? my ben, <laughs> ben doesn't like Star Wars. You heard it here first, folks. Well, well, and you were there for one of them. You were there I, because The Rise of Skywalker was a movie that came out, and I wasn't one hundred percent completely loving it all same the with, time come on same with the last jedi after the first airing at least that is true that is true and you i grew, came you grew you grew to love it over time but at the first time it was the same as rise of skywalker you were like i don't know yeah it was it was very it was a very trying thing with last jedi i did come around and i do love that movie rise of skywalker i haven't made quite as much progress Aww. but it it still is just like okay i can't like it's a movie and guess what I'm not going around complaining about it online. I'm not doing it. Just accept it. And yeah, I don't watch that movie as much as maybe I do the other movies. That's okay too. When I don't like something, I just kind of ignore it. And you know, that's why I don't get people that like go out of their way to like especially years on go like, "Oh my god, this is the worst thing ever." Like, "Why are you still talking about that?" Like, <laughs> like, do you have like there's so much content like even if like you just pay attention to Star Wars, which how do you just pay attention to Star Wars now? Like, come on, like there's so much other stuff happening. But like, if you're just into Star Wars, like there's so much happening, so many great things. All of the Book of Boba Fett, the Mandalorian, any any other stuff, the Bad Batch, Obi Wan Kenobi, like Lego Star Wars, the the Skywalker saga. Like, there's so many things um, that are happening right now, and you know, I I don't. I don't have time for that. I don't have time to like. Ain't lament. nobody got time for that. <laughs> I don't have time to lament 
the thing that I didn't like two years ago. Like, just move on. And I, 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 I legitimately like. I, I've already. I've also gone through the process of like, I can't police other people's opinions. Yeah. I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't. I go online. I'm so, like, you need to. You need to stop saying that. I'm just like, no. They're allowed to say what they mm-hmm. want to say if they want to. For some reason, turn their Twitter account into a "I hate Last Jedi forever and always" and talk about that till they die. That's their choice. That's their business. I can block them. I can mute them. Whatever. You know, it's my but, choice to not engage with that. But um, we don't. We don't. We can also make a choice to not give them the time of day, to not give them the attention they seek. You know. Exactly. But I would still, if I could talk to that person, if I could get in, if I could just speak to them, I would be like. <laughs> Yeah. First of all, it's not worth it, and also this is not healthy. And I saw so many people that were like so frustrated by the reaction of Last Jedi, and they love Last Jedi. They turned into the bitter fans that hated the Rise of Skywalker, and now they're still talking about the Rise of Skywalker <laughs> two years later. I'm just like, guys, it's not worth it. Yeah. Let and it go. You, you, it's not good. Like, and I also say this. I say this with love. If Star Wars is not doing it for you anymore, there are other franchises. Like yeah. I am fortunate enough that Star Wars is still agreeing with me, but it may not be with you, and that's okay. Marvel's doing great if you just noticed. Um, there's so many other things you could watch. Um, you know, maybe take a break. Maybe take a break. I, I, I recommend Paramount Plus. Star Trek's been killing it on there. Star Trek <laughs> really has been killing it. I got to catch up on Discovery, but uh, yeah, there's and then so don't, don't forget Picard. Woo. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. So good. So, uh, but ultimately, it's like, and, and you know, again, I'll be honest. Like Book of Boba Fett, it pleased me a lot, but it also kind of bewildered me a lot, and and. It was not maybe the show I wanted exactly. There were a lot of things I'm like, okay, what are they doing here? And you know, I had some qualms with it, but I'm I'm kind of mellowing into the idea of like, I can't change it. The show is the show. And you do is just accept it for what it is. And I think yeah. that's the problem with fans. And I'm I'm sorry, I will stop after this because I'm just rambling here. But like, <laughs> um, people like get it in their heads that they can change things. The Snyder Cut <laughs> didn't help with that. The whole idea of like if I yell about it on the internet long enough, it will change, just magically change. That doesn't happen. Yeah, talk about that Colin Trevorrow cut. (laughs) Exactly. But like, you know, ultimately you can't change it. You have to accept it. You have to be Lando and Solo. I don't like it. I don't agree with it, but I accept it. You have to accept it, otherwise you're gonna drive yourself insane. Clap, clap, clap. I'm I'm (laughs) clapping, but you you can't hear it. Wow, that that was incredible. So there's Ooh. yeah, so like while you were talking about the Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker people of certain sectors of the fandom being opposites over that, me personally, I'm just enjoying them both, man. <laughs> I'm just like I'm a slong for the ride, whatever the heck they do, man. I'm just eating popcorn and enjoying the Star Wars. Okay, there's a couple more Book of Boba Fett things I want to talk about real quick and then we'll get to our final segment. But there I want to talk what, – what were your thoughts about um, Kersantan and the cyborgs, the young cyborgs that held Boba Fett out on Mos Espa, Drash and Scad, among others? Um, I was – we got a Wookiee gladiator. Just, I know. Wow. 
it is crazy. Like, and the fact that it's Chris Santon, who I didn't, I didn't even know really. Like, I had known of him. I'd seen pictures of him, but like seeing him like in full force and giving us another Wookiee character besides Chewbacca to root for. Wait, so where's Chris Santon from? So Chris Santon showed up in a few different comic series. Um, there was one where he fought Obi Wan on Tatooine. There was another one. He hung out with Dr. Aphra a lot, um, and so there's a lot of stuff in there. I, I'm not caught up on the comics at all. I'm way behind, so I'm not an expert on this, but I have heard from people that are experts that you know that apparently he was a really beloved comic character and fairly new. Only released – his first appearance, I think, was in 2015, so he's right. you know, Force Awakens. That's around that time time period, um, but uh, you know – that turnaround and bringing that character again, another deep cut, another cut that they could just create a new character, but they specifically get this obscure character from the comics that's so cool and bring him into the show. Just great. Absolutely. And just this is so cool seeing those electric knuckles. Wow. Like just the coolness factor of that effect and just how strong he is in combat is just awesome. It really is like just amazing. Um, and then real quick, did you like um, the the youngsters, uh, Drash and Scad uh, of the cyborg group? I did. I did. You know, I wish we could have got more time with them. You know, I wish we could have got a little more development with them. But, I, you know, I like those actors are really good. Um, I like their designs. Um, I even like their bikes. OK, I, <laughs> I know not it. everyone loved them, but I, I did. I, I liked where they were going with that. And I think they would, the bikes were cool and the designs and everything. Um, you know, yeah, that 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 chase in episode three or four, you know, was a little little wonky. But, uh, you know, I, I like what they were going for, like what they were trying to do there. So, you know, it was cool. And, they, was cool. and again, like I said about um, resolution, they had a great role in the final chapter of the of the series. They really did. They really did. I, I think it was it was great to get their perspective and all that kind of stuff and really great. So, uh, yeah, I, I appreciated their inclusion. And then this other thing that just came into my mind, this is what happens during live podcasts. Um, now my brain went off on uh, something on a tangent uh, that I completely uh, forgot. But your train of thought derailed. <laughs> um. I was going to say, was it something about the sanctuary? Nah, not really. I don't have much. Oh, there it is. So as we know, spoilers, you know, the sanctuary, the, you know, the cantina that um, Boba would often visit and, you know, meet, um, you know, the people there. Uh, Garsif Whip, I believe, was the Twi'lek's name. Um, right. Who, who ran the cantina. Uh, that just sucks what happened to her in the cantina. Uh, I Even I enjoyed Garsif Whip. But, um Another little known fact, speaking of references, the Max Rebo band was there, which was pretty cool. You know, you know the band that Jabba the Hutt used to use. Um, so now that the thing's blown up, we didn't see Max Rebo himself on in the sanctuary. So even though maybe some of his band might be gone because of that explosion, is Max Rebo alive, Ben? He he wasn't in the bar, as you're saying, so I feel like he's still alive. I feel like he just has a knack for getting out of things, getting out of venues, <laughs> and the nick of time right before they explode. 
And you know um, what's going to happen? Cobb Vanth will join forces with Max Rebo, and that's will be referenced in Mando season three. I called it, Ben. I called it. That would be incredible. But yeah, I'm I I think Max Rebo. He just he just he just he just he just stays alive somehow. So uh, we'll see him again at some point. It'd be great. Absolutely. Uh, I I think there was a rumor a few years ago before um, Lucasfilm started focusing on Mandalorian of a possible most Eisley Cantina film. <laughs> now that probably like a Star Wars story, like it probably wouldn't have happened, but like I, I got me thinking, like like you know, not just obviously the Cantina band, um, which we didn't really see in Mandalorian when it was featured, unfortunately. But what about the Max Rebo band? And I'm glad they got some of their chances to shine in the Book of Boba Fett. Um, adding to the laundry list of references and Max Rebo is going to have his own show. It's going to happen folks. Um, so one more thing to talk about before we go to our next segment and where do we go from here? What let's start doing predictions about the future of you know the book of Boba Fett, future of Mandalorian or whatever happens to these characters. Um, and because what's so fascinating, the end of chapter seven you, you see a normal Book of Boba Fett ending, you know, like a happy ending of, OK, you know, Boba Fett, everyone loves Boba Fett. You see the cyborgs and Chris Santon. It's like, OK, you know, he is now he is the everybody loves him on Tatooine. But then the Mando theme plays and you go to the new Razor Crest and you see Din and that very cute scene with Baby Yoda all of <laughs> tap wrapping on the glass like, oh, my goodness. So it seems like, oh, okay, you're going to transition into Mando season three. So, Ben, where do you think we'll go from here? I, I mean, <laughs> it really seems like we're, we're they, they, they set up Mando season three. Um, and you know, uh, you know, I don't know what's going on with Boba Fett. Obviously, you know, I want a season two. I want to see where that goes. Season two see, of book of boba fett right season two of book of boba fett exactly um but i'm also you know i'm interested in you know um obviously mando season three we're getting a lot sooner than that um and i think we're immediately going to see you know uh him and grogu back together obviously um them going back to mandalore the whole fallout with you know maybe the the good news to Mm -hmm. you know all the, the really really good thing about the fact that Grogu is back with Mandalorian, now that's kind of out of the way, and we can kind of jump right into, okay, what's the deal with the dark saber? What's the deal with Din? <laughs> you know, what's he gonna do about his? You know, he's told he's not a Mandalorian, and he has his dark saber and all this kind of stuff like what that. What do you think would have? What do you think would have happened if pa, if Paz Vizsla beat Din and got the dark saber? That would have been interesting. That would have been very interesting. Um, I think I think Din, I don't know. I feel like Din was in like a, a win-win situation there because <laughs> he didn't want the dark saber anyway. He tried to give it away, so he's like, either I lose it to this guy and he gets to take it and I get to get off scot-free, or <laughs> I get to beat him and keep it. Like I don't see that was really a bad thing, but uh, yeah, Pazvizla, I don't think that guy was ready for it. <laughs> and again really cool to see him and the armor are back and then i think another character we never saw in the mando season three <clears throat> i mean book of boba fett we never saw bo katan what's going on of her yeah what is going on with like she's where has she been and you know what's she doing and you know if she's 
obviously out there somewhere trying to take back Mandalore. Yeah. But she doesn't have what she needs. She and doesn't have the dark saber. And Din Djarin is standing in her way of that. So like, how's that gonna? That's play Mando out? season three, Ben. We're doing this. Oh man, man, Mandalore. Oh, I'm getting excited. I'm getting hyped. Very um, well, could be. And then I think there's another factor that from Mando season two that was was overlooked possibly, and that often throughout the season Mando's like, you know, I want Grogu to find his own kind. And I think Mando season two, the way things were progressing, made us led us to believe, oh, it's the Jedi. But what if, Ben, and I think we've talked about this while season two was airing in season one, like what about the rest of what is still known as Yoda's species? <sighs> that species needs a name, Ben. But I digress. Like, I think what if Mando season three is the right time to learn more about Grogu's species? Because in Book of Boba Fett, we learned just a little bit more. You know, we got the cool flashback of Order 66 in the Jedi Temple. But what you know maybe not just his origins as a jedi or as a you know young you know young a youngling as it were but what about the species as a whole maybe we can reinvigorate grogu into finding his kind as in his species what do you think of that ben that is okay this is the you were the <laughs> first person to mention this and this is the first time that i'm thinking of this wow is the fact that in season one of Mandalorian, go back to the season finale of season one of the Mandalorian. You, you know, he, uh, I think it's, I can't remember exact words, but armor seems to kind of make out that like, okay, you either return him to the Jedi or you return him to his own kind, as in his species. species. Yes. And so now that he's found the Jedi. Now that he's taken him to Luke, and Luke's like, nah, I don't want him anymore. <laughs> um, like, what else is there to do? But, you know, obviously, I don't think – I think Din's not going to want to give him up now. Like, Din's going to be like, okay, I lost you once. Not going to happen again. You're staying with me forever. Mm -hmm. But, like, I'm sure something will come up that, like, maybe Grogu has a higher purpose for his species. And, you know, maybe he needs to go home. And be with his family or whatever. He's yeah. he's he chose attachment. As Luke said, he chose attachment. He chose mm -hmm. over the Jedi way he chose attachment. And Din tells the armorer to her helmet, to her face, like, you know, this whole thing about leaving attachments behind, this is against the this is against the Mandalorian way. We are about yeah. loyalty. We are about mm -hmm. sticking together. And so maybe Solidarity. Din, so maybe Din takes it upon himself to say, hey, I'm going to reunite you with your actual family. I'm going to take you home so you can hang out with all the other Yodas. And of course, you know, as we as I just said, season two transitioned to a, oh, he's trying to find the Jedi. And that's what season two was often about. But yeah, that'd be cool if they were to explore that. But I think what's also important or what also would be cool is what if we – what if we learned more about Grogu's relationship with Yoda himself? Now, now hear me out, Ben. So we knew that Grogu was was in the Jedi Temple. He must have had some relationship with Grandmaster Yoda. And in some way, even if it's like, oh, one of the hundreds of Jedi or however many they had in the temple. But, you know, we, what if we learned more about that? And now that Grogu knows, as we saw in Chapter 6 of Boba Fett, 
of you know luke having yoda's lightsaber what if there's more of a symbolic what if there's more of a connection than we think like i i think uh one of my grandparents the other day they, they visited uh, me lately uh ben and one of them like said like what if grogu was yoda's um like um grandson like, this is <laughs> such a funny thing but it, it got the gears turning a little bit like just learning more about the relationship between Yoda and Grogu, that would definitely be something I in both this the species the relation and also as Jedi. Wow, that's <laughs> a lot in there. We're going, like, we're going, we're going deep on hype function. This is how we do things, Ben. This is good. <laughs> this is really good. I I love that idea and I love the whole concept of just digging deeper and I I you know. I feel like, man, I'm still hooked on this like whole going back to the Yoda planet thing. Like, yeah. I I think, man, we're gonna see the Yoda planet in this things, and we may they may even name drop the species name in Ooh. this show. Okay, you or know one the, of the fandoms. Shows. The fandoms gonna get controversial as they do about every reveal. It's like, what? What's the species name? It, it's sort but of like when they named him Grogu. They named him Grogu when everyone's been calling him Baby Yoda, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah, it's uh I, I think we're heading that direction now, now that you know Grogu and his Jedi ways are out of the way, you know. Who knows? Who knows? But uh yeah, it's there's so much in this show and there we're, we're you know, the fact that we've seen so much already, like lends yeah. the fact that uh w- there's so much left that we haven't seen yet. And I think that's a that's a testament to just the creators of Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett and all the content that was created in that it gives enough to where we're satisfied. We got lots of great content. But yet, as we see talking about the future right now, like we haven't seen Bo-Katan, we haven't seen Yoda's species and you know when people some people call it grogu's species that may be very cute but um just yeah i I think realistically season three of mando will focus on mandalore the relationship with din and the dark saber will delve into it a little bit more and of course bo katan and her people but um i think there's a lot there's a gold mine to be had of this species that grogu is a part of and just there's so much Grogu content. Like I am grateful, Ben, that Grogu didn't stay with Luke until Ben Solo killed everyone. Everyone. I I know after season two of Mando, some people, myself included, were. And I think I talked about this on a podcast with you that we're afraid that Grogu was going to stay in there until Ben Solo killed everyone. <laughs> and it was cool that we saw the construction of the temple that we saw destroyed and. You know, flashback in the last Jedi. That was pretty cool. Um, that we saw it being constructed by these um, what were they called? Rat droids or spider the droids? Rabbit droids. Rabbit. Oh, oh my god. The, okay, the rabbit droid. Yeah, from earlier in the season, but also um the the big the you talking about the big droids? Um, so I'm talking about the where they're carrying. So it's the spot where Din meets Ahsoka, and oh, they're building they're building yeah. the bench they're building the bench that he sits on. You know what I mean? Yes, I think – well, I don't know if that's his official name, but I call them androids. Androids, that's what I've heard, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I we saw 
I think it was StarWars.com confirmed that that temple under construction was the same one we saw in flashbacks in The Last Jedi. Correct. And almost, I this from an from a purely um, aesthetic or a um, architectural standpoint, it actually looks like the what the where Luke lives on Octo in in The Last Jedi. It look almost looks like you know those homes that the caretakers were maintaining obviously you know, for a split second there in chapter six i thought that was on octo um like that's just i think that's how i think it might just be a coincidence and jeffrey's office office rock but <laughs> <laughs> definitely <laughs> man it's just, it's, look at, at a certain point when you talk about this stuff you're gonna sound like a lunatic sooner or later so uh <laughs> Um, it just comes with the territory. Is there anything else that you want to talk about that you are dying to talk about after oh. everything we have said? No, it, it's funny. I, I was worried that I wouldn't have anything to say after you know eight podcasts later, but eight you podcasts. you brought up so many good things and got me going on this stuff. I'm, I love that I I shocked you with the theory. I wasn't you expecting did. that. You did. I'm I'm gonna I, at some point. I'm going to refer back to this on the Star Wars General podcast. There will wow. be a moment where I'm like, I was talking to Jeff White the other day, and he blew my mind. And I got to talk about this. Um, so, yeah, you're, you're in for a treat. <laughs> this reminds me of the conversations we were having after both well, – when we all met up for Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker that like – like the next like throughout the night and like after we shoot the podcast of our initial reactions to the movie, we would just keep talking about it and just start delving into theories. And I'd be asking like, hey, what what happened with this? Like, who was that? Like, I know I, I know you remember, Ben, like I'd have that moment like, oh, that's what happened. I didn't realize that. And I'm like, hey, why did this happen or what was this thing? And I'm seeing that. I, that's what I love about just not just podcasting, but just being a Star Wars fan is learning more about this. And while we're having these conversations, we start going on tangents we didn't expect and we learn something new. And I think that's ultimately a goal of being a Star Wars fan, of engaging with other fans, both in person and through podcasts and also by listening to podcasts. I think we listen to podcasts because we want to know, you know, how do people react to this? What are their thoughts? What more can we learn? And embracing that adventure together. And that's why I—that's I, why you guys are amazing. So before we end, that. yeah, I'm sorry, Ben. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. You're too kind. So yeah, I—I I think if that's all you have to say, um, I think it's time to go to our next, to our final segment of the show. It is the best segment, I would argue, and it is the hype factor. Hi. Yeah, we're doing we're, we're recording this late night, so like I just woke up the whole neighborhood. Like that's just what happened. Um, <laughs> what you do for podcasting? I, I know you, you got to take one for the team. Man. <laughs> uh, this is the hype factor segment, and we're gonna be talking about what we are most excited about for the future. Ah, you see, get the the future, yeah, because we oh, just talked wow. about the future of the Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. Um, but let's talk about of the things that we know are gonna happen. You know, what are we most excited about? And I think you and I were talking about this before we started shooting the podcast, that this May is going to be huge, Ben. This, the whole May 2022 is my hype factor because – and let me tell you why. Um, you have May the 4th. There's always cool things on May the 4th. If there's not – you know, 
there may be announcements. And if there's not, StarWars.com is going to have some cool stuff. They're going to do some cool stuff, some cool tributes. And all this, everyone, you know, like I've said in the past, Star Wars fans and non-Star Wars fans are talking about Star Wars on that day. They're like, hey, oh, yeah, I remember when I watched that movie in the theaters or when this happened. So there's that. Okay. May 25th. It is confirmed as of this recording date that May 25th will be the will be when Obi-Wan Kenobi premieres on Disney Plus. Yep. So man, we're we're gonna get that. Like I've talked we've talked before about why we're excited about it. We can talk more about it another day, but just that's premiering. That's has a date. That's happening. Um I am personally I'm going to Disneyland and graduating from grad school, getting my master's degree in the same time frame. So I get to visit Galaxy's Edge right before we are all at Star Wars Celebration Anaheim at the end of the month, May 26th to the 29th. Who knows the kind of panels that are going to be there, the kind of awesome booths. How many podcasting people can I meet in one day? We're going to figure it out, Ben. It's going to be incredible. I know. And wh- who knows the kind of announcements that will happen and the 45th anniversary of Star Wars A New Hope. Like, the, 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 everything's on the table. You know, we might talk about Andor coming out or The Mandalorian Season 3, Bad Batch Season 2. You know, I'm assuming that's later in the summer and it won't come out before Celebration. Like, there's – the potential's huge. There's so much that could happen. I'm getting goosebumps in a good way thinking about this, Ben. And so, yeah, May 2022 is my entire hype factor. It, it's stacked. So much Star Wars stuff to look forward to. So, Ooh. so yeah, um, with your hype factor, um, you can include any of the things I just said. No, I you was know, gonna say I was gonna say you took the entire month of May. What do I have left? Again, you, you don't you know you don't. It's not a yeah yeah. Feel free to cross over with anything I just said. Like if so, like just don't don't worry about you know. Oh, Jeffrey said this. Now I have to say no. It, what? Just forget that expectations aside. What are you most excited about right now? What are you emotionally feeling hyped about, Ben? Well, you know, it is – yes, May is going to be incredible, and I have to echo all your sentiments there. There's going to be so many amazing things happening in that month, um, and uh, you know, obviously I'm looking forward to celebration. All that kind of stuff It's going to be great. Um, what I'm feeling right this moment, and just for the sake of being diversified, but also this really is what I'm hyped about, is uh, Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga. I forgot about that. <laughs> Coming out a month earlier than that in April, yeah. April 5th to be exact. Um, and I'm particularly excited about this because I finally made the decision. And those of you who've been mm-hmm. following along at home for a while, you know I've been um, muddling over this for many years now. But I finally decided sometime this year I will be indulging myself on a next-gen console. Um, Good luck. I'm going to make it happen somehow. I'm still trying to get my finances in order, making sure I can actually afford the dang thing. And make sure you still have enough money left to go to Celebration. <laughs> right, and they even have enough money for a freaking second game apparently because it's like 60 bucks, which just blows my mind. Um, but looking – currently, even though I've got – I'm looking into a Nintendo Switch. That's 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 what I'm looking into right oh, now. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but in about a week, they are releasing the Steam Deck. Do you know about that? I've heard of it. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's like Steam's answer to the Nintendo Switch, correct? Exactly. So it's just like this gaming PC, but it's mobile. It's really nice. 
I think it's too much for me. I know it's too much money for me, but it's it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of machine. It's incredible. It literally looks nice. It would play Lego Star Wars, um, and but that might be more of a, a long term term goal. I think Nintendo Switch probably is more my style, so I'm gunning for that. Uh, and it's a, it's considerably more in my price range. So, uh, but and here's and here's what's cool about the Switch, Ben. Um, there are. So there are some Star Wars games that have been re-released and ported to modern consoles. So on PS4 and also the Switch. So like these are some older titles like um, Episode One Racer, uh, yes. Republic Commando, Jedi Academy, Jedi Outcast. A lot of these older games that a lot of people really love playing. So like I I don't know if you've played any of these, those games or not, but just you know you can you are able to get it on the Switch and also um, a. I got a shout out Knights of the Old Republic. They released the original version Xbox version on the Switch back in November and you can get that I think it's like 15 or 20 bucks um, on Nintendo eShop, but like that game is one of my favorite games of all time and they're also make, they're making a remake of it for PS5. The the crazy people. There's so much Star Wars stuff to look forward to, but I'm sorry. I keep keep talking about the Switch, Ben. Sorry. No, no, no. You're fine. You're 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 singing my song right and now. And also, like, dude, um, I also just got Star. I about a year, a couple feet. Uh, oh God, it's been like three years. A few years ago, I got Star Wars Pinball. I um, that you can get. It's like an all-in-one package I was or whatever just for the Switch. Looking at that case today in a store <laughs> i was just like yes. i want to buy that game like that's it's incredible. great it's awesome because it, it, I, I played it i think i think i had it on a, a one of my devices um as an app but like i want it on like a full, a full device that'd be incredible oh man um and what you're saying right now is like sweetening the deal for me and like having all these old star wars games like i really want to play rogue squadron um i, I love not, uh, not all of them are on there it's only a few you'd have to look it up but uh, yeah, yeah there's but a still. bunch they're not all on there but like there's a bunch is enough to make me happy um and you know g- scratch that itch and then you got some new ones coming out star wars hunters is coming out yeah. very soon and that's going to be on switch so uh and i'm assuming there'll be more stuff and obviously leo star wars which is the the big one, the huge one. That's that's really going to be great. So, it's it's looking like it's going to be well worth the money. And there's some even some non-Star Wars games that I'm really looking for. Actually, to. I a non-Star Wars game I'd recommend is Marvel Ultimate Alliance Three: The Black Order. Mm, yeah. See, I was always looking at some of the Marvel games too, uh, particularly um um they they've got Marvel Super Marvel Lego superheroes. That looks pretty good and i'm also i think i also want lego jurassic world um yeah so uh yeah there's there's so many i'm gonna spend way too much money this is a bad decision <laughs> this is a really bad i'm gonna be welcome broke. welcome to the average gamer's life ben this is I'm what we do you. we just get a lot of games sometimes yeah, I'm just be like as, i want that game and that game and that game oh oh by the way i have no money now this is great <laughs> but i have all the games i want so whatever. welcome to my life ben <laughs> This is what I do when I'm not gushing over Star Wars. I'm just buying and playing games. <laughs> Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Man, I hope you get – yeah, I, when you said next-gen console, I got worried because I knew that like the hard, the PS5 and the Xbox Series X, they've been selling out like hotcakes. So like they've been hard to get um, ever since they came out in 2020. I mean, the chip shortage and COVID and yeah. supply chain stuff. But like Nintendo Switch, hopefully you'll be able, you'll be, it'll be a bit more feasible to get. You should be able to get that without well, too much I, issue. I was just see, I have my, I have my eyes on the OLED version, which is the newest version Whoa. with the nice screen and whatever else. And I was in a store, I was in a Walmart today, and they had one. And I'm like, I have to hold myself back. 
But at least I know they have them. And if I go to a store, there's a good chance I can pick one up when I get ready. So uh, very encouraging. So, man, there's some strong hype factors. And I a lot of hype. I'm, but yeah, I'm primarily most excited about Celebration, other than the whole month of May. But just Celebration Anaheim is going to be a special moment. I, um, so speaking of Celebration, um, I again I will be visiting Celebration. I don't know if I'm going to record a podcast while I'm there. I, I honestly haven't planned that far in advance. Oh, Let's okay, see. okay. You're going to be on one of our podcasts, okay? So just, what are you? Inevitable. What are so what do you have to promote? Uh, not just for Celebration, but just all the cool culture slate things that you and podcasting that you do, Ben. Well, in regards to Star Wars, you can follow at Star Wars Culture, I believe it is, um, on Twitter. Um, and you can follow at the Star Wars Underworld. Um, both of those great accounts always posting tons of stuff. Um, not all me, thankfully. I'm kind of, I've got, I got, I got a pretty good team behind me finally. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of good people working there, not just me. That are really producing some excellent content. We're uh, doing all kinds of crazy stuff, and and uh, yeah, we're just really getting started. So yeah, go follow that at Culture Site, at Cult Star Wars Culture, at Star Wars Underworld, at Chatter Squadron, and and Ion Cannon. Yeah, there's so we've got so many different podcasts going out. I've been crazy. watching some of that stuff. There, there's some good content on there, man. It really is. Like like Chatter Squadron just released an episode today. Amazing. Like some amazing stuff. I am like personally like wowed by some of the stuff that people are creating. Like it's crazy. Um, and of course Star Wars Underworld. Every week we're the same as always. We're nothing's changed except you can see us now. Um, so that's all things. Um, IPC also same as always. Yeah. We're on YouTube. We talked about Book of Boba Fett. Um, the only reason that episode is not out because I've been flapping my guns on this podcast for the last two hours and haven't been able to edit that <laughs> podcast. Um, but you will be seeing it. It's on YouTube right now. If you want to just go watch it, or you can have the audio version up uh, very very soon. Um, you can follow me personally at Ben Hart with no E. As I said, I don't tweet, so <laughs> maybe follow me there just to see if something happens. Ooh. So change your name from Ben Hart with no E to Ben Hart with no tweet. You, you sir, are a mind reader. <laughs> if you go to my Twitter, that's exactly what it oh says. My, I haven't even looked at it in a while, dude. <laughs> I don't know. You will be in for a treat. I, I, this whole podcast has been a treat to me tonight, man. Um, and then are the, are there any Celebration Anaheim things that you are able to publicly announce? OK, well, we are. If not, that's OK. No, no. I, I think, you know, it's it's safe to say we will be back. We will have a booth. We will be doing daily podcasts. I think it's I think it's safe to say that will be happening. We are planning something special. For celebration, something we've never done before at a venue. I won't say particularly what it is because Ooh. it hasn't been nailed down yet, but uh, we're hoping to make it happen. Um, and that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, either way, like I, I remember your, I talked, I've gushed about your, your content in um, the last celebration in 2019. Like those daily podcasts, like that's something you don't always get. Like that's a huge, that's a wonderful treat. And I'm very happy that. Yeah, there will be daily Star Wars podcasts during Celebration again. I just I, I can't believe Celebration is so close, Ben. 
props okay you have to thank personally dominic jones for making that happen not only has he right, right, like right. did he like push and make that happen like the man was like we were in the car on the way to places and he was editing the show oh my like God. <laughs> crazy stuff um but yeah really proud of the fact that we were at managed to like we would come that's just been our thing and i think we're probably gonna do it this year it was like come back to the booth and do a show right as everything is shutting down <laughs> So if you want to be on the podcast, just show up at the end of the day at our booth, and you you can come in and talk about your day. Man, so much to look forward to. And we haven't even talked about my stuff. We got Hype Function monthly podcast you can listen to on Spotify or wherever you may listen to podcasts. Um, I've been uploading them there since I relaunched the podcast back in October, and it's been honestly really exciting. Um, I – I think the last episode I did was a Christmas Day episode I recorded with our friend Chris Siegel from Culture Slate. And man, like that 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 was a fun podcast to shoot. Um, if you wanted to hear me talk about my awesome Babu Frick toy that I got for Christmas and <laughs> like I'm looking at it right now, it's it, it looks so lifelike. It's incredible. And it even makes noise as well. Uh, you'll be able to hear it on that episode. So, um, yeah, check that out. Um Let's see. Social media. I, I don't even know anymore. Uh, <laughs> um, you can. What is social media? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, you can follow me on Instagram. I believe it's at JIFW52. Um, and then, and yeah, basically all the others is just, uh, you know, my podcast. Um, just search Hype Function, just Google Hype Function and, you know, listen to it on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and obviously wherever else you may listen to podcasts. So, yeah, we'll be back either later this month or next month with another Hype Function episode. And, and yeah, there's just a lot to look forward to. Ben Hart, Star Wars guy, is there anything else you'd like to say before we end this episode? Um, I think I've said enough, quite honestly. Um, so I will just shut up now. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me and uh, and letting me flap my gums endlessly <laughs> about Star Wars and whatever else. And uh, yeah, this was a ton of fun. I, as I say, I always enjoyed coming on, on Hype Function, and uh, this was no different, probably the most fun I've ever had. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode, everybody. Stay hyped, everybody. <laughs>